Welcome to the Earning the Push podcast. My name is Jack Murley. I'm a professional broadcaster. Each and every week, myself and co-host professional rugby player Charlie Beckett cast our eyes over everything happening in the world of professional wrestling in a show by wrestling fans for wrestling fans. And after a slightly quieter week last week, boy oh boy did things pick up this week. We've had surprise returns and title matches that lasted barely five minutes. We'll get into it all in the course of the show. I'm Jack underscore Murley on Twitter. He's Charlie underscore Beckett. How are you, Charlie? Very well, thank you, Jack. Very well. As you say, woke up this morning, gave myself time to watch the whole match. Could have rolled out of bed five minutes ago if I wanted to. Unbelievable stuff. And we're going to start with the thing that will have most people talking in the wrestling world as they listen to this still. Uh, Just a couple of days removed from AEW Dynamite, the match the world wanted to see. CM Punk, the AEW World Champion, John Moxley, the interim world champion, one-on-one on Dynamite in a match that no one saw going. Three and a half minutes, John Moxley annihilates CM Punk to become the undisputed AEW World Champion. Wow. Wow is the word, isn't it? I, I, of all the possibilities I thought of, a squash match was not was not on the uh, was not on the cards. I think we probably knew something was up when it wasn't the main event. No disrespect to uh, Aussie Open and Death Triangle, who had an outstanding trios match, but this main event, any show, anywhere, any time in the world, so when it went on in the middle, I was like, this is, this is odd. But I think I love it. No, I do love it. I just said to you off air. A genuine shock surprise. We've had two of them this week without them being spoiled, which I can't remember the last time that happened. And I think this is the fuel on the fire, the start of the story that Punk needs to go heel. I think when he comes back from this injury, he will be going heel. My, my only thought is, is his injury really not healed yet? But they wanted to move the story along, so they brought him back for this. I'm like, we'll look after you. And then he's actually going off to his rehab. And maybe it was a worse injury than they thought it was. He's going to need longer. And they didn't want to just strip him of his title, so brought him back to do this. I, I don't know, and it'd be, it'd be fascinating to know the ins and outs of what's going on backstage. Give me your reaction when that match ended the way it did, because I was like you. I, I saw, okay, they're not advertising it for the main event. That's a little odd. That's a little unusual. But we've seen AEW do this before when they've had matches go an hour. So I didn't necessarily think we were going to get five minutes, or I thought we were getting an angle. When we got that I think it was a time you've hit the first Death Rider DDT and you're thinking, this has Goldberg Lesnar vibes from Survivor Series all over it. When he pinned him clean, one, two, three, what are you thinking? I was literally about to say Goldberg Lesnar. That's the last time I was this shocked. I was just in genuine disbelief because we like to think we we know what's going on in this industry. We like to think we are smart fans. But when things like this happen, it's it's like genuine sport. It's like when a team batters a team they shouldn't. I, I always jump to the um, 2014 Football World Cup where Germany lost. Uh, Germany beat Brazil 7-1 in Brazil. Like Things like that do happen in sport now and again. M- um, mismatches that shouldn't happen happen. Like There should be even, even uh, contests and one team gets absolutely battered or one athlete, um, McGregor knocking out Jose Aldo in six seconds mm. or whatever it was. This does happen sometimes in sports. So... It makes me think like it is real sports, man. And I don't, if it happened every time, you'd feel robbed, wouldn't you? You'd feel like we're not getting the match we deserve. But every now and again, a surprise squash like this, I, I actually think it keeps the product fresh and keeps us on our toes as fans. 
Well, it, it's the shortest AEW world title match we've ever had by some distance. Let's eliminate some of the things that people will be thinking this morning. And we are no more wise than anyone else. But let's say first, that's not a legit injury, is it? That's not CM Punk injuring himself in the match. I don't think so. And that would have gone too perfectly. Now, like I said at the start, I don't know if his foot is as healed as we may be led to believe. And maybe... It, his foot has not got better at the pace they were hoping he's going to be out longer. I do not think he has gone for a kick, got himself genuinely injured, either re-injured the foot they thought was already healed or got a new injury. I, I don't believe that. I believe that is a work. And they, that was the plan the whole time. So here's what I don't quite understand. And I love that I don't know what's going on here, but I'm sitting here trying to puzzle it out and going, you've got a pay-per-view in Chicago in about 10 days from now, give or take, carry the one. You didn't need to bring CM Punk back to lose. So I don't quite understand why they bought him back two weeks ago to cut the promo last week to have the match this week if he's not ready. Because Mox was on fire as interim champ. They've established the interim championship as something that, that exists in the AEW universe and isn't a problem. It's not like the undisputed title in, in WWE where it's holding up both shows. And I'm sort of thinking... Why bring him back just to lose unless it's A, the start of an angle where he goes heel because he's frustrated with himself, or B, there's something bubbling around in the background that we don't know with CM Punk and how happy he is. I think that is what it is, but it is ma not maddening. It is very confusing why they would do it 10 days before a pay-per-view in Chicago unless they didn't want to tell this story in Chicago in front of Punk's home crowd because I don't know how a Chicago crowd would take that match. This is the story they wanted to tell, and this match was the, the storytelling device. Maybe it's a really clever idea not to do it in front of a Chicago crowd. Yeah, but then why? They didn't have to do this now. This is what I. This is the thing yeah. I, I keep struggling with. If you've got a Chicago pay per view, Punk's on the shelf. You could have left him on the shelf for four more weeks. I mean, because otherwise, the flip side is you say next week on Dynamite, and we don't know Punk comes out and challenges for a rematch. We don't know who Moxley's going to face at all out. Yeah, this is the fascinating thing, and that that doesn't does make no sense to me, unless, like I um, hypothesised before. Oh, good maybe, word for this time of day. You, thank you for ten past eight in the morning. <laughs> um, maybe his injury is worse than he thought it was, and he's going to be out for six months. Let's say maybe he needs surgery. I, I don't know. This is absolutely mm. just making it up as I go along, wondering. And maybe they're like, well, let's just deal with it now. Let's just deal with this now give him a storyline to come back for and go from there. Because they could now say, if he goes for surgery, that he made the injury worse in this match. Not that it happened, it was go for that kick, made the injury worse, and now he has to have surgery. Now he's going to be on the shelf for three months. And maybe they just, they knew it was going to be longer than they thought it was going to be when they made an interim champ. And Tony Khan made the decision, that I don't want an interim champ for six months. I only ever thought it was going to be eight weeks, whatever he thought it was, however long it's been out, I need to deal with this. So I, I don't know. I would love to know. And yeah, I'm sure at some point in the next few weeks, months, we'll find out why it all happened, because we seem to now. That's how wrestling works, and it will be fascinating. We don't know. Um, before we get on to the other half of this main event, as it was, which is John Moxley, did you feel shortchanged in any way? That's the other thing to bring into this, or, or were you sort of okay with it? I, I'm more than okay with it. I actively enjoyed it, probably because it wasn't built up for weeks and weeks and weeks. If you're mm. building this up for six weeks to be the main event of a huge pay-per-view, as it very rightfully could and should be, yeah, you'd feel a short change. Actually, probably a good call from to do one-week build, give it to us. 
because we didn't, we, yes, we were all excited. We didn't have time to really, really, there wasn't like three weeks of great promos, huge uh, VT packages. There was none of that was there. So over a long period of time, there was great promos and VTs, but not over a month or so. So I didn't feel shortchanged. It wasn't like it was a one-match show. There was lots of other good stuff on this Dynamite again. It's, it's been another really, really good week for wrestling, which is just the best. So if it were a one-match show and all built to this, the main event, and then, then yeah, maybe. But I think the rest, the, the rest of the show quality meant it was just another brilliant part of a great Dynamite for me. What I love is the other part of this equation, John Moxley establishing himself as the man. I mean, if you're going to say to someone... Okay, you're carrying us. You're our guy going forward. It has to be Mox, not only for the way he carried himself in the match, but that promo afterwards. I mean, he's the king of that 90-second soundbite where he just tells you everything you need to know. He's sensational. Yeah, he, he as much as Roman's in God mode, Mox is as well. It's the best we've seen of him ever. And do you think he did it on purpose? And this is how good he is that if he did this on purpose. In his promo, he managed to get across an old Roman Reigns phrase of the guy and John Cena's catchphrase of my time is now, and it didn't seem corny or a joke. I loved it, and wrestling is so random. There was a part of me when he did it, which just for a split second went, I wonder if he's foreshadowing John Cena turning up in AEW. And I know he's not, but there was that part of me that went, do you know what? Don't rule anything out in 2022. If this is a year that Vince McMahon quits his own company then why not think that as a possibility i always sat there watching it going because mox is cool enough to do this he's like is he going to say my time is now and then just start going do 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 because you know what if he had i would have been there for it i would have been fine with that so um no brilliant promo brilliant match they're all in on mox aren't they all all chips on the table lay your money down on john moxley it's going to be a hell of a title reign it already has been and already, whoever beats him will be made. Whoever beats him is going to have to be on the absolute best of their game and be ready to take over from. Already, I think this is the best title reign anyone's had in AEW, and it's only going to get better. Wow, that's a big call. Why do you think that? I don't think I've enjoyed anyone with a title this much. Not Mox the first time, not Jericho, not Omega, not Hangman. And Punk, was it was stolen from him, wasn't it, his, his run? So... This is the most invested I've been in, and maybe it's been, maybe it's a reflection on wrestling at the moment. I, I'm all, I do, I've done a weekly wrestling podcast for over a year. I've always been a wrestling fan, but I don't know if I've ever been this excited about wrestling in the last three or four years. And I think that's reflected in the industry at the moment. I saw yesterday that all the pre-sale tickets for Survivor Series in Boston sold out in about three minutes. Like there is a boom around wrestling at the moment that there hasn't been in a long, long time. I don't think, and I think that's reflecting how engaged i am with both aw and WWE. i even watched a bit of nxt this week oh. that's where we're at at the moment with me how was that was it like going back to an ex who maybe you, you arranged to have a coffee with and you think the spark's not there but maybe maybe exactly i came away being like it's not what it was but maybe it could be <laughs> so let's talk about one of the reasons that we're all so excited about wrestling this time of year in a way we haven't been for ages is because of the surprises and on monday night raw we got the surprise of our lifetime that no one saw coming. Johnny Gargano, Johnny Wrestling, is back in wrestling, and he's not in the black and gold of AEW. He's on Monday Night Raw in one of the big segments on a red-hot Raw out of Canada. Johnny Wrestling is back. Yeah, and it's just brilliant. I love that it was so understated. There was no tease. There was no, it was just, yeah, he's back. And the rebel heart hit, and the crowd went berserk. He just looks, you know what? 
Johnny Gargano has played it perfectly. He went and had time with his family, had his child, has not rushed into anything, has waited to see his options, and then probably he was just thinking about what he was going to do. And let's be honest, it was probably leaning towards AEW as a fresh start. Triple H takes over WWE. Triple H is the biggest Gargano guy in the world. And of course, Johnny's gone, yeah, I think I'll go back there. And great reception for him. Great promo. I wasn't buzzing when I saw Austin Theory come out because I just I just wanted Champa straight away. I'm not going to lie. I just want to go straight to DIY. But then you think back to the history in NXT, Theory's promo. I love that Theory was like, yeah, you used to be my mentor, but now you come under my wing because since you've been gone, since you've been gone, uh, I've got... Sorry, everyone. Take a drink um, if you thought you'd get Charlie singing Kelly Clarkson on the podcast this yes. week. Yes. Uh, I've had a US title. I'm money in the bank. Basically being like, I've outgrown you. So give me a high five. You can come under my wing. And then Johnny just super kicks him right in the face. Do you know my... Excellent. Excellent segment. My favourite thing, and this is going to sound really daft, is seeing his name on the Titantron with his music. Because if we'd have been four months ago, we would have been seeing a different name, different presentation. He probably wouldn't have had Johnny Gargano. He'd probably just be Johnny or Gargano or Mr. Wrestling. They, they would have tinkered with it. And this is the guy we loved. This is Mr. NXT, and he's on the main show. And it doesn't feel weird. It doesn't feel out of place. It just feels completely natural. And I'm really happy... For him, he got that moment. I'm a little sad for some of the guys who left NXT who could have had that moment as well. And I wonder what the Undisputed Era, what uh, you know, Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fischer thinking, looking back across at WWE now, going, if only. I don't disagree at all, but I think it's been such a mental turn of events in the last six months, you could never predict it. I don't think Johnny Gargano sat at home and gone... I'll wait out a few months because Vince will go. I think it's just been fortuitous timing, very much so on his part. But yeah, you could just see the smile on his face, how much he was loving it. And ooh, Hunter, your big T, he's t- tweeting that now you're gonna do it yourself. He's just come on now. He's it's just so let's let's get into this, right? Yep, there's a story with theory. Yep, we've got Champa smashing it with the Miz, but you cannot have Tommaso Champa because I want his first name to be back. We cannot have Tommaso Champa and Johnny Gargano floating about two big fish in the same pond without getting that DIY reunion. We have to run back that NXT story on the top show. Absolutely. So I think I would not be surprised if we get Theory versus Gargano at Clash of the Castle. Let's not mess about. Like, Theory's not doing anything, is he, at Clash? Nope. Johnny's just super kicked him in the face. Johnny Gargano's one of the hottest things in wrestling at the moment. I reckon we'll get that on the show. Um, and then, yeah, I'll be very, very interested how they handle Champer and Gargano's first interaction with each other again. Will it be like a backstage bump into each other? Will it be a save when someone turns on someone? I- I'm really interested. Like, will they acknowledge each other but be like, we're both doing our different things? that's not the right time for that, and then it'd be a slow burn. I, I just don't know, but I saw you tweet it, and I think they have to build to it. DIY versus the shows at WrestleMania. I mean, Abby on social media says, yes, give that to me. Uh, Only Connect Wrestling says, throw in the New Day for that as well. He- here's our slight problem we've got. Let's assume Johnny Gargano's back for the long haul. I think that's a fair assumption. They got a, You've got two choices. Choice one, we've got all the time in the world to tell this story, so let's hold off. Choice two, actually wrestling's a really fickle thing. Someone can break their neck and be out for a year and you don't strike when the iron's hot. Do you just say, sod it, let's go for it now. We've got all the pieces, let's make that happen at this WrestleMania or do you try and play the long haul to the next year's one? I'd get them together and get them in that match by this WrestleMania. 
And then we, we've seen long-term storytelling with DIY is the best thing in wrestling. We saw it in NXT. It's my favorite thing ever. Just do it again. Like, honestly, just do it again. I just be like, Champa will be even more evil if he turns and goes again. Genuinely. Do you know what I love is is we're both sitting here smiling because <laughs> this is going to sound so daft. It's like our favorite thing's been resurrected. All right, mm-hmm. we, we spent a year calling out NXT 2.0 and how it was such a shame we lost our favorite thing with NXT. And now we're getting it on the main roster. It, it, it is beyond your wildest expectations. It's absolutely bonkers, Jack. It's mad what's happening. But as I said earlier, this is just wrestling's just really, really good at the moment. Really good. We'll do some fantasy booking a little bit later in the show. We also need to discuss NXT UK being no more. Uh, I think we want to talk about Bra and Panties matches. No, we as- don't want to. We do not want to. It's been brought. It's been put on our desk, and we feel a duty to. But please don't put out that we want to. But I think it's clear that one of us would want to more than the other. If if if, if you, I'm had- not sure. You know, I'm not sure. <laughs> But let's talk about um, someone who is no stranger to those type of matches before transforming herself into an absolute legend. I am a sucker for Trish Stratus. She is... You think, what, oh, well, hang on. You think you are? One of us is definitely more interested in Trish Stratus in one way than the other. I'm sorry. Every time I hear that little giggle and she... Um, I mean, she you is... Just, every time on. you just wonder, do you? You just question. I'm, <laughs> am I gay? No, no, no. Okay, I am. I am. Okay, I am. But then there's that laugh and she appears. <laughs> Imagine if that was one of her accolades. If like if Jimmy Smith on commentary was like, she's a she's a women's champion, a Hall of Famer, and the only man Jack would consider turning for. Trish is back on even, Monday. Even night. there you said man, Jack. Even there you said man. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't no, fake it. It's no. just a hard wired into me. She was great. I love Trish Strat. She is fantastic. She has picked her spots returning. My God, she still looks like she can go, and the crowds love her. I loved everything about her segment at the start of Raw. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Like Sometimes they get it a little bit wrong with returning legends, and sometimes they just get it so right. And it just seems every time Trish comes back, it's like a breath of fresh air. We always say how amazing she looks, because Christ does she. And we always say she can still go. And I think the biggest the biggest um, praise you can give someone returning is every time she does, everyone's like, oh, she got one more run in her. And that's what you want to hear, isn't it? You don't want to be hearing, oh, I don't want to see that again. You want to be hearing, has she got one more? And if she does fancy it, absolutely go for it. If not, she bows out. And I think it was her last match, that match with Charlotte at SummerSlam a few years ago. She wrestled since then. Yeah, and do you know what I think is interesting? Because we talked a lot recently about Ric Flair in the perfect retirement. So her perfect retirement was that Lita match at Unforgiven, which was perfect, absolutely perfect. And that was at an era where women weren't getting 16 minutes to tell a story. And it's still one of my favourite matches. And then she comes back... And she does the thing on Raw with Cena, and that's great, that tag match. And then she comes back for the Women's Rumble, and she's amazing in that, and that match with Charlotte. She knows how to pick her returns. And it's funny how we all said, ah, Ric Flair shouldn't have come back for those return matches. He had the perfect retirement. We don't mind Trish doing it. No, I think it's probably because she's making a big thing about this is my last match now. It's just when she comes back, it feels organic, it feels natural, it doesn't feel forced. So I, I'm not yearning to see her wrestle again, but I wouldn't be disappointed if I did. Tell you what, when she said that line, you know, you'd be amazed how quickly I can go from am retired to was retired, taking off her jacket. I I mean, I was there for it. I was there to watch her. And there's something about Canadian crowds. There's something about just lifting a show. We saw it with Edge Damien Priest and we saw it with Sami Zayn on SmackDown. I mean, they are just unreal. 
Yeah, they love it up north, don't they? Um, my favourite tweet of the week goes to BT Sport, uh, WWE on BT Sport, who went edge to the Canadian Destroyer, just put a Canadian doing a Canadian Destroyer in Canada increases effectiveness by 200%. I'm like, yes, yes, excellent work, uh, BT Sport. Um, but my yeah, my favourite pop of the week wasn't actually Johnny, it was Sami Zayn on uh, SmackDown. His, his reception from his hometown crowd, you could see how much it meant to him and if you, I know it's his hometown, but that man is so over. He's so over in WWE. And I love that he got his time with uh, with Roman. And I love that the Usos weren't there because of border issues. Of course, that's why they weren't there. So Sammy had to make the save. And I don't know if I'm not sure that Sammy Zayn isn't, enough negatives in there, the right person to take the title off Roman. I, was, I think he might be. I was just about to ask you that question. Are we actually seeing some genius booking where Sami Zayn, the ultimate pest heel, goes to the guy who dethrones Roman Reigns? Because I, the more we build this story, the more Heyman's involved with it, the more I sort of think, I could see it. I could see it. And, and well, you shouldn't. No, but where else is the payoff here? Genuinely, Roman is using abusing this man who worships him in a quite uncomfortable to watch way at times. He's clearly using him. He's clearly manipulating him. It's not a nice trait for any person to have. It's proper heel. It's just bad, bad humaning. I used a good word earlier. I've made up a word now. Um, so where's the payoff? If not Sammy, after six months or whatever, snaps and takes him on. And then if, if he gets battered, there's no payoff. There's no, so he's got to overcome the odds and, I think this might be where we're going. And if we are, I'm absolutely here for it. Can I throw something in? The, the payoff isn't Sammy beating Roman, but the payoff is Sammy helping Kevin Owens beat Roman. And that becomes, you know, we saw the Heyman roman Lesnar love triangle play out a little while back. Maybe where we're going with Kevin Owens saying he wants to, to win all the titles again is actually Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns. And you get that moment where they're both down and Sammy stood between the Uso family he wants to be part of and the Owens family he is part of in wrestling terms, and he's got that choice. That might be the way you do it without putting the title on Sammy. However, wouldn't hate the title on Sammy. I absolutely see that KO Sammy stuff. I, I think that's a brilliant idea. And they are they're two wrestlers who are intertwined forever, aren't they? And if it led to us getting eventually KO versus Sammy for the title... I absolutely want that because I think I tweeted you. I think I tweeted after. Well, my, I talk about all the time. One of my favorite matches is their match at Payback 2016. I think it was. Yeah. They have a one on one and it's brilliant. And I just remember I tweeted that night. I was like, we will see these two in the main event of WrestleMania for the title one day. And I still believe that. And they are that good. And I don't know if, apart from Gagano and Champa, I don't know if there are two wrestlers who one on one have better chemistry in the world right now than Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. So I'd love to see them have a proper main roster run of a rivalry because they've never really had it since they came both came up from NXT early on, those mid-teens. We've never seen them one-on-one -on -one against each other. And I think they deserve proper long-term storytelling of team to turn to one-on-one to -on -one match. I'll throw the title in there. Here's something we could see as well. And, and Ryan, one of our listeners, sort of was having it out with me this week saying, this is so obvious, this is where we're going. Don't you think this is where we're going? A Zayn-Kevin Owens reunion and going after the tag belts. Now, we never really, in any meaningful sense, saw them have that tag team title run on the main roster. And we never saw DIY against Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. 
So actually, if Triple H and the creative forces say we want to go in that direction, I mean, tell me you wouldn't pay to see night one of WrestleMania headlined by Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens versus DIY versus the Usos TLC for all the gold. I mean, that, that sells itself. Absolutely. I, I don't hate that at all. I think that would be brilliant and massively entertaining. I think I'd just prefer the one-on-one, but I'd happily, happily take either. And look, listen to us, listen to us from where we were two months ago, talking and bemoaning the WWE product. And now here we are and we're fancy. It is fantastic. And Cody's not back. Brilliant time to be a wrestling fan. Uh, the news last week and inconveniently dropped after we recorded going, what the heck's going on with NXT? This is unusual for the UK versions belts to be showing up on NXT 2.0. The announcement that NXT UK is no more. It's becoming NXT Europe. Not a huge surprise, I wouldn't say, to anyone that NXT UK is having to evolve and change. We alluded to it last week without even knowing what was going on ourselves. Yeah, I, I don't think we're surprised it's the end of NXT UK. I think I'm just surprised that there's going to be anything in that void. Like, I'm surprised there is this NXT Europe being created. I thought they would just go to NXT. So I'd be interested to see what NXT Europe will do that NXT UK didn't. Yeah. You know, like what, what difference is going to be. Uh, I'm guessing we'll bring about the European Championship for this. Ooh, okay. um, it's going to need a title, isn't it? So that makes sense. But I'm just, yeah, I will miss the NXT UK title belt. It's such a pretty belt. It's interesting because following, obviously, like we both do, a lot of folks on social media from the world of British wrestling, I saw quite a few saying, actually, in the long run, this could be a good thing for the British wrestling scene. Because actually, NXT UK, the contention of some folks, was was eating up a load of talent, having them not do a lot, and they weren't able to go out and headline big British shows, work with the younger talent, and actually releasing them back into the ecosystem, not a bad thing. No, I think hopefully it will help the independent scene of British wrestling wrestling boom and grow like it did about 10 years ago where it was just one of the hottest scenes in, in all of wrestling. So hopefully it has that effect while not stopping too many people making their livelihood out of wrestling as well. So, so fingers crossed it has that effect. I'm just looking at my phone because as we record this, lots of folks are waking up to the, to the CM Punk uh, John Moxley news. Scott says, I just watched to avoid spoilers and all I can say is, uh, Ryan says, I dot, dot, dot. Are we, as this comes in, are we in the minority and actually quite liking it? Maybe, but people are talking about wrestling. It's yeah. never a bad thing when people are talking about it because you know what? They'll tune in next week to see what happens again. Absolutely. So it's definitely going to be divisive. People are definitely going to, some will love it like we seem to, some will hate it because they feel they've been robbed of what could be an all-time 25-minute classic. But if you don't think we're getting Punk Moxie again at some point, I think you're wrong. Yeah. I think we'll get an out-and-out heel Punk. I think it'll be even better. Yeah, I agree. And and look look where we went with Lesnar Goldberg off the back of that, off the back of it. And look, sound off, Charlie underscore Beckett, Jack underscore Murley. We're here each and every week. So if you agree or disagree with what we're saying, you let us know. Um, I do want to talk bra and panty matches a little later. Of course you do. But should we Makes do some sense. fantasy booking? Because last week you set us a challenge of Triple H being able to pluck any former NXT talent out of the AEW ecosystem and drop it back in. Now, we've got a detailed one uh, from Ryan and from Andrew as well. In fact, Ryan's isn't so detailed, but this is great, okay? Because this is this is one I wouldn't have thought of. And you have to really cast your mind back in NXT folklore. Christian Cage. Jesus, yeah, that's not one I would have thought of. All the way back in original NXT, Christian Cage was one of the mentors. And when you think about it, there's a lot of story left for Christian Cage to tell 
in WWE, including that one last run with Edge. Yeah, which just seems right, doesn't it? We're talking about wrestlers who are intertwined in each other's lives and careers forever. There is one. And you see Edge talking about he wants to have his last match in Canada next August. Why not with Christian? And I mean, you look at Christian's last match in WWE, which I think I'm right in saying was the Thunderdome Royal Rumble, where he and Edge did get that moment where they hugged, but, you know, it was screens, it was a Thunderdome, it wasn't a proper moment. This version of Christian Cage, Ryan saying, coming back, teaming with Edge, having another run at the title, five-second poses, going through all the brood stuff, and then Christian at the end turning on Edge, slamming him with a chair, one-man concerto, leaning over him and whispering in his ear, you think you know me. I mean, it, yeah. it's 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 there, isn't it? It's got to happen. Yeah, that would be brilliant. I'd enjoy that a lot. Okay, this is uh, Andrew. He says, fancy booking challenge time. Kind of a rough idea, but hey-ho, it's technically a former NXT talent, although one I suspect not many people will go with. Lots of people are reaching way back into NXT lore for this. I'm basing this on the idea that m- the moment is more important than the follow-up. And what I would have is a big babyface moment where someone beats Reigns for the title. Let's say McIntyre at Cardiff, sidebar, which we'll come on to later, have WWE book themselves into a corner by putting McIntyre in the world title match in the UK. Feels like the perfect scenario for him to win, but Reigns at the moment, can it be done? Anyway. We'll come to that in a tick. Have McIntyre in the ring celebrating, confetti going off, making it feel like a huge moment. Then the lights go out, they come back on but dimmed, and we see the ring surrounded by kids in sheep masks, straw hats, and Hawaiian shirts. Then we hear a children's choir singing he's got the whole world in his hands. Maniacal laughing fades in. And then a few seconds later, you start hearing screeching mixed in with it. The Fiend's eyes appear on screen as McIntyre sells fear in the ring and the show fades to black. By acknowledging his past characters, you set the scene for whatever he can come up with next. I think his absence will make him feel fresh and it puts him right back in the main event scene without Vince's meddling. Very interesting to see what Bray Wyatt could do with a clean slate under Triple H. Again, an NXT talent from days gone by. It counts. It absolutely counts. And... It's one of those questions, isn't there? Like, Triple H always seems to be a fan of Bray. What What is he doing? Was he interested in coming back? Because there's so much potential there. No one questions that. So it's very interesting what happens with him in the next few months. Am I the only one who really isn't that jazzed about Bray Wyatt? I've, I've never... Let me separate this out. Bray Wyatt, cult leader, singing, straw hat, kids around him. Loved that version. Swampy Bray Wyatt was absolutely huge on the fiend Bray Wyatt did absolutely nothing for him, for me, to the extent I just, I, I, I'm not fussed. He's out there in the ecosystem. He's a big beast. And I'm just not bothered. Am I? Am I alone? Um, no, because I think by the end he was maybe diminishing in popularity. And I, I have said it before: spooky wrestling has a has a ceiling, doesn't it? Um, so hard to do. So hard now. So hard now with with no kayfabe. Um, like imagine trying to bring the Undertaker in now in 2022. <laughs> Um, I think I think there would be excitement when he came back, but if he came back just as the same fiend, I think it would die very quickly. And what about the other point that uh, is brought up by Andrew here? The, the question of have WWE booked themselves into a corner by putting Drew McIntyre in this world title picture at Cardiff, which is only really a matter of days away. It's coming up fast. Have they booked themselves into a corner? I'm not sure. I don't know because if he wins... Cardiff will erupt. He's UK, he's our boy. Cardiff will erupt. But will that 
diminish? Will anyone else be happy? Like, apart from the 90,000 there, will the millions around the world be happy or will they be gutted that Roman's lost? Like, he will be the hot baby face in, in the Principality, in the Millennium Stadium. But actually, will the rest of the people, have they built him that well for everyone else? I don't know. If he loses in Cardiff, are they just going to boot out the building? I really don't know. Let me ask you this to try and answer that question. If you were able to go, and, and we know it's a painful topic, but if you were able to go, who would be the person on the card you would be most excited to see? Roman Reigns. So would you care if the guy you're most excited to see actually wins? Because he's, 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 you're there to see him. I, I, I want Roman to win. Yeah. I want Roman to win, but that's just because I just think there's so much story still to tell with Roman. Well, and isn't that the point? We're, we're smart wrestling fans. That crowd is going to be smart wrestling fans to the eyeballs. It's going to be Canada times 10. I don't, I don't think it's going to have that reaction of, of it feels like we're robbed if Drew doesn't win. However, if Drew loses and then we get some sort of surprise at the end of it, an Undertaker appearance, a Bray Wyatt return, whatever it may if be. If Taker comes out in the title picture at the time i'd be buzzing but i think about 12 hours there i'd be like oh for god's sake <laughs> it would be like a bad one night stand when you're yeah, like i loved yeah. it at the time but now i've got to call her a cab and we've got to have yeah. that awkward moment the next morning um look we'll do more fancy booking next week now this was brought to my attention uh by will you tell me how this came about because there's the wrestling so account is... on this day in wrestling history and this is yeah. how it all started so this is my schoolmate matty thompson who actually the first ever wrestlemania i stayed up to watch was with him right um and he tagged another friend of ours called Dan Murphy, who I think just stayed completely out of it and didn't reply, which is probably smart from Dan. On this day, however many years ago, there was a bra and panties match, and Matt, Matty Thompson replied to it being like, how was this ever allowed? And then we... Can I just jacked. say, it wasn't just a bra and panties match. It was a bra and panties mud match. So bra and panties, plus you have to throw your opponent in the mud between Trish Stratus and Stacey Keebler on Monday Night Raw. Continue. The Meltzer probably gave it five stars. The height, the height of wrestling. And uh, Tomo was like, how was this ever allowed? And uh, yeah, how was this something that was kids we were allowed to watch that like you put the wrestling on? And just thank God we've come away from that. It's one of those things where when I was watching professional wrestling and that happened, I was embarrassed to have it on the screen. I was absolutely embarrassed. If my family walked in and saw that on the tech, you know, you are head in your hands trying to explain what you're seeing to people who are already not well disposed to wrestling. Can I throw in a different point? Which is, as much as it's misogynistic and terrible to look back at now, at the time, if that was the only way for someone like Trish Stratus to maximise her minutes, regardless of whether it's right or wrong, and she could have been used in far different ways... Would we have got the Trish who became the Hall of Famer wrestler if we didn't love the Trish who was made to bark like a dog by Vince McMahon? I'm trying to make an argument for it. I don't know if I'm succeeding. It's a very good point, isn't it? And it is a snapshot in time. The world was a different place in the early to mid-2000s than it is 15 to 20 years later. So if it gave us... If that genuinely, if that laid the foundation for what we get through women's wrestling now... I think we all owe that era of divas a massive thank you because they had to go through some nonsense and some quite demeaning and quite... Quite? Not quite. <laughs> extremely <laughs> extremely demeaning and embarrassing. And I imagine at times extremely upsetting things on international television. So not just the women of today, we all owe those divas a lot because we would not have the brilliant product we have now without it. 
Yeah, I mean, you, you look at the toughness you have to have to go to your job, and sure, you're being paid well, but neither you or I... Well, I was going to say neither you or I have to go to our job knowing we'll be scrambling around in the mud in front of an audience, but actually that, that can someday... That, sum, that quite sums <laughs> up my, my job. I don't do it half naked, though. Well, no, you don't, but okay. Thankfully, it, uh, for everyone. What, what I'm trying to do now in my head is draw a Venn diagram of a bra and panties match in Charlie's day job, and... Actually, more similarities than you may think. Matthew also says, I can't believe I was allowed to play it as a game on yeah. the SmackDown game um, as an eight-year-old. And you read the instructions now, and you go, I can't, because I was playing this. The object of this match is to strip down the opposing diva to her bra and panties. The down and circle buttons will attempt to rip off the diva's clothes. And you go, really? There's a, there's a group, there is a niche group of sexually frustrated teenage boys out there somewhere uh, going down and circle, down and circle as they're starting to... Uh, to experiment sexually with uh, with some very poor women who are going, what is this man doing? I think it does just make you realise, oh, do you know what? As you say, thank you to the women who got themselves through that. And and we should be clear, there was another way because other wrestling companies were doing it as well. And it was it was like, and I know you're so passionate about women's sport in so many aspects at the moment. God, it's a shame it took us this long to get here, but at least we're here now. And thank you to all the people um, who went before. So. Let's do everyone's favourite part of the show. We're going to send something back to developmental from everyday life and we're going to give something the push. Would you like to go first or second? I'll go first. Go for it. So my back to developmental this weekend, this weekend, God, it's been a long week. This week is YouTube adverts. <laughs> okay. I, I consume quite a lot on YouTube. I watch a lot of YouTube. I'm a big up, up, down, down fan. I watch a lot of like, I don't have that much time to sit down and watch half hour, hour long TV shows in my life. So if I can get things that say me in five to 10 minute bites, that's perfect for me. But now my five to 10 minute bite is taking 15 to 20 minutes because of YouTube ads that I can't skip. And I will not YouTube. I will not pay to watch you. I will not buy YouTube premium. So stop asking me. Have you ever met anyone who does? Not if anyone listens to this pays for YouTube, please let us know. But they just do, and some of them you can skip, but now and again you'll get three 20-second adverts in a row that you can't skip, and it does my head in. It's, it's, it's ridiculous, isn't it? And they're for weird things. I used to get a load of Grammarly ones. Fine company, I'm sure. Absolutely grand. But I know how to spell. I know how to do sentences. Oh, cr- I know how yes, to do... Yes, I know. <laughs> I know how to do words. I, I talk good. Uh, and yes. it's just ridiculous, some of these ads. I had one, this is true, I tweeted it. Um, I was watching a video, and it wasn't, before you have a smart Alec comment, it wasn't anything like you might think, given the advert on the side said, gay test, take now. And you could click on it. And I was watching wrestling and this came up and I was like, I'll do this test. Let's see. What were they asking you in the gay test? All about drag race. And I failed it. I failed. Right. The test. Now, probably while this was going on, some Russian bots were embedding furiously in this computer now. So are they saying that straight men and women can't watch Drag Race? I wouldn't I wouldn't dig too deep into that um, okay. because it is a okay. whole minefield. But yeah, I am with you on YouTube adverts. Let's give them, uh, let's, let's send them back to developmental. What are you giving the push to? I'm earning the push this week for me is a gentleman called Manti Teo. <clears throat> and you might have seen me tweet about this this week. Uh, if you haven't watched it, Take it's uh, two hours long. It's two one-hour episodes. Go and watch a brilliant Netflix documentary, Untold, The Girlfriend Who Didn't Exist. It is the story of how huge college football uh, star, he came second in the Heisman Trophy, was one of the hottest properties in college football um, in 2013, I believe, Manti Teo. 
how he essentially got catfished and it ruined his life. It wasn't anything funny. Like, I won't ruin it, go into it, but it destroyed his career and for a number of years, his life. Um, And he is just incredible. You watch the documentary through and he is so full of forgiveness and love and just the person who destroyed his life. He just wants to hope that that person is okay and can take his forgiveness. And he's incredibly, he's an incredibly Christian man, which I think comes from a lot. But he's a much better man than me because if a person had done that to mine, and it's just cruel what this person does to him, I would be so full of anger and hate. I just know I would. Um, and the worst bit is the person who did the catfishing, they interviewed throughout it, they just show no remorse. No remorse, no guilt. They, I won't ruin it because if I say something, it'll ruin part of it. But go and watch it. And if you come away with anything but genuine feelings of animosity for the person who is quite clearly the heel in this, and if Mante Teo isn't your biggest baby face in the world after, I will be shocked. And if anyone does watch it and wants to talk to me about it, give me a tweet because I am so in on talking about it at the moment. I'm literally telling everyone to watch it so I can speak to them about it. But isn't it great when you find something like that? This is what I was like with that Taron Egerton Blackbird thing. Yes. I was like, watch it, watch it, watch it. Go and watch it, go and watch but yeah, it. If, you, if you've got two spare eyes, I know you're the busiest man in the world. Have a watch because it's fast. And you don't need to like American football. The American football, it could be any, that's not the story. The story is what happens to him. But actually, it's then fascinating, actually, towards the end, how the NFL and American media outlets deal with some of it because they, they do not come across in a good light in this either. We'll whack it on the list, uh, and I'll give that a watch. It sounds good. Just remind us the title again. Uh, Untold, The Girlfriend Who Didn't Exist. Okie doke. So my Back to Developmental is a serious one that I don't usually do, and I'm and I apologise if this affects you, but I'm sending Back to Developmental cancer. It's just rubbish, and too many people I know and care about at the moment are just getting these awful cancer diagnoses, and it's just a complete fluke of it, but it's just rubbish, and... It's just so that's going back to developmental for me. And God love you if you and your family are going through this or living with this, or maybe you're living it with yourself. I know you know folks in in the world of rugby. I've seen you tweeting about it recently. People needing stem cell transplants, and oh, it's just terrible. You you look at it, and everyone's been affected by it, and it's come pretty close to home for me for a number of reasons recently. Um, luckily, I am fine, but sadly, some folks I know. Uh, have been hit by it and it is just terrible and I think we just need to acknowledge that as much as there are inspirational adverts on TV about the changes and how good things are getting and care and all of that it's true when you are hit by it and it hits your world it is terrible so if you are living through it at the moment god bless you just rubbish yeah the up there with the worst just the worst thing so not really much I can add to that just anyone who is we obviously send massive love to and yeah. all, all the good things and now earning the push for me YouTube videos of sharks. Earning oh, the push from me. Sharks. YouTube oh my videos God, of I love sharks. sharks. This is What's with, your favourite shark? What's your favourite shark? Uh, my favourite shark is a great white shark. Okay, bit basic. Uh, <laughs> mine's, mine's a hammerhead. <laughs> okay, why the hammerhead? Uh, it's got a hammer for a head. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm Fair. also a huge fan of swordfish for a pretty similar reason. They've got uh, a sword for a nose. Basically, any fish that is named after how its head looks, you're all in on. Yeah, I love hammer. I love sharks. I was actually about sharks all day. We could start a shark podcast if you wanted. That would be great. That would be great. From start to fin-ish. Yeah, yeah, good. good. So the reason this is, is because we had a shark incident off Cornwall not too long ago, and it wasn't the shark's fault. And the, the person... 
First of all, I thought you were going to say we had a shark in the studio. I don't know why I thought that's what I was expecting. And then it wasn't the shark's fault. What a brilliant, brilliant sentence. There, there's a company. It goes out. You go and swim with blue sharks. A blue shark bit a person. Person was fine, said, it's just what sharks do. These... That's a shark being a shark. It's just a shark sharking. Not the shark's fault. Shark, shark's going to shark. Um, yeah. But I would then watch the blue shark video, which got me into Shark Week videos, and I am now obsessed. And my YouTube algorithm is basically wrestling and sharks. That's all it is. And can I tell you my favourite one at the moment? That I've just—it must be from the most recent Shark Week—and they've got a person in a clear. You may have seen this clear perspex box, and they're in it, and they've got sharks swimming around them. And the fella goes, "Is that a shark underneath me?" And then this great white shark comes up, and this is a bulletproof box, and it's meant to protect him. And it goes smash through the box. The box absolutely shatters, and you've got the camera on him. And they slow it down, and the shark just comes up, mouth open, right next to him. And you can see the perspex shattering around him. And this guy suddenly, having thought he's safe in his bulletproof box that never breaks, realises he doesn't have what it takes to match the shark. And I won't spoil what happens next, although the fact I'm talking about it in such a light way probably makes you realise that everything's all right. But amazing. I just love shark videos. They're brilliant. My, my second favourite shark is the Greenland shark because it's just the worst shark. <laughs> I love you listened to all of that and you were like, sure, now let me tell you yeah. more of my list of sharks. Because Greenland sharks grow to like, they, they will live for up to like 600 years. Yeah. But they're just blind and like in shallow water and just like bop about. And then they don't eat fish, they eat plankton. They're rubbish sharks, but they're the best sharks because of it. There was that one they um did the test on recently, wasn't it? And they tested it and they said, yeah, this one's about 630 years old. Imagine the things that's lived through that it never knew was happening. <laughs> well, suddenly there are submarines all of a sudden, and yeah. you're like, Jesus, what's that fish over there? And yeah. it's and you know what you'll have no clue. How would you keep yourself entertained for six hundred and thirty years? No idea. I still watched uh, Shark Week's great, isn't it? I watched um and it was a bit disappointing because it never got to the I'm gonna say it and you say, Charlie, of course it never got to what you wanted it to be. But the title was Shark versus Crocodile. And obviously, because I love crocodiles as well, crocodiles and alligators are class. Um, of course, I wanted it to be a fight. Right. But, but obviously that wasn't going to happen. At no point were they going to happen. But that's what I thought. So when it didn't happen, then I was a bit disappointed. But it was very cool. Lots of good facts about sharks and crocs. I think if they give you a title called Shark versus Crocodile, you, you would forgiven for expecting you would get it i love there are some folks listening to this going they did five minutes on nxt uk and they've done about 10 minutes now on sharks and crocodiles so let's let's bring... honestly honestly as you should hear what we talk about before we come on before we have five minutes we talk before we start recording and it's just carnage we should start like an apple plus one where we can you can pay a three quid a month and you can get all the unedited ramblings let's bring it back to wrestling who is before we wrap up going to be the challenger for John Moxley's title at All Out. We've got one week of Dynamite left to either put him in a world title match or leave him off the card. Where are we going? Uh, I honestly don't know. No one is jumping to mind. There's loads of great options, but no one springs to mind. And what, What do you think? Here's what I think. CM Punk... Comes out next week, demands a rematch. Mox says, if you're that daft to want a rematch in Chicago, you've got it. We get the rematch. Punk loses in a more competitive match, and we get MJF return. I'm going to say we get MJF return in every single Dynamite and All Out or whatever it is till it actually happens. That's what I think we get. Yeah, I, I honestly, I hang in the second thought, and I just don't know. I know, I know my job on this podcast is to give some 
some insight into my thoughts. I've got none. Am I still thinking about sharks? Who knows? Well, who can say? We can tell you we are out of time this week, but do not go anywhere because next week, boy, oh boy, it's going to be a big show. We'll know what's going on at All Out. We'll just be just days away from Clash at the Castle, the biggest wrestling event to hit the UK in 30 years. So we'll talk about all of it. We'll do fantasy booking. Remember, more NXT talent that can be plucked from AEW or outside of the WWE and return to the clutches of Triple H. You can let us know. He's Charlie underscore Beckett. I'm Jack underscore Murley. Rate, review, subscribe wherever you're listening. But we are out of time. So we'll see you next week and bye-bye.